that's what that story's about. And but what touched you about it? The well, science fiction has always has always you know uh, been a place for that sense of wonder. You know, basically to to see a greater universe, to imagine all the possibilities um, uh, that could be, and that story um, really gave me a vision of uh, a different, not just a different world, but a different universe. And of course, it was it was a struggle for uh, freedom and self-expression and individuality. So um, that helped too. Which was very much a part of the 60s. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I've read a lot of... I like classics. I've read a lot of old books, so... <laughs> I mean, much older. I mean, like, 20s and 1920s and the 1800s okay. and 1700s. So, uh, hearing about you loving the 60s and saying it's old, I'm like, uh... <laughs> uh well, my... My, my favorite three books, even though I write science fiction and I spent my entire, uh, you know, up until my 30s, probably my 30s, reading science fiction and, and only that, my favorite three books are Jane Eyre, Pride and Prejudice, and The Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Oh, my so, God. I love all of them. They're so, they're, oh, yeah. God, yes. <laughs> Everyone, I, I read The Christmas Carol every Christmas Eve, and I watch the, oh. um, the version with um, Buddy, I can't remember his name. Uh, if it's really old, it could be Alistair Sims. That's it. That's the one. I don't hey. know. I, I blink. Out. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but I blink out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Particularly as you get older. It happens, it happens more and more. Mm-hmm. But so, so here's, I I didn't, even though uh, Christmas Carol is actually one of my favorite books, probably my favorite, I actually never read it until I was in my 40s because um, our, our our dad read it to us every Christmas, you know, leading up to, you know, it has five staves, five major uh, chapters, and he would read one chapter a night for the for the uh, for the days leading up to Christmas Eve, and uh, after a few years, we made him read it twice a year, twice before Christmas. So there were years of there where I, I could actually um, recite the Christmas Carol from heart, though I can't do that any longer because <laughs> I haven't, you know, um, but. We knew it so well that he would he would be reading it, and if he if he missed a word, we could correct him. I used to do that when my dad read me. My mom or dad read me a story. I used to if they missed something. No, no, you got to go back because you know the you queen is supposed to do this, and you you skip that part. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's my dad's going, "You're getting too smart." Oh. <laughs> um. But um, yeah, I, I um, my actually I would add one more per uh, one more book, uh, The Great Gatsby is one of my top oh. favorites. Okay. <laughs> but the thing is, isn't it strange how many books? Well, not Jane Eyre, but uh, how many books are really short that are incredible classics? Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, and to uh, bring uh, the science fiction into the time machine is really short. It's really a novella. <laughs> yeah, well, they were, you know, they really weren't writing, you know, what we would consider really big novels at that time. That time. And, yeah, but it's really short. And um, 
uh, well, the Jules, the Verne stuff is on the long side, but he, but again, it was a different, you know, he was French, and it was a different uh, oral, a different written tradition. But um, oh, in the Russian books, you know, um, oh, Tolstoy yeah. <laughs> and and uh, 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 Kafka and all. I mean, they're oh, all yeah. like incredible. Uh, well, Chekhov wrote plays and short stories, but um, the rest read these interminably long. I mean, they're great. Don't get me wrong. I love Tolstoy's War and Peace is one of my favorite books, and Anna Karenina. But they're interminably long. I mean, I it just seems like, oh my god. <laughs> they really are. I remember uh, reading uh, Dostoevsky, uh, Crime and Punishment, in school, and at the time they told us that. Um, it didn't actually come out as a book originally. It came out it, that's, in those days. As a serial. Quite often books were published as subscriptions. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they pointed to uh, one point in particular where he's in a police station and he has a, um, he basically has a panic attack, a crisis of faith, and he, he, and he faints. And basically they were saying he needed to wrap, he needed to wrap that, um, that, uh, that installment up. So he had to throw in a crisis. <laughs> it's almost like stopping. It's almost like stopping for a commercial break, you know. Uh, so he wanted to leave the writer, the readers, with a hook, so that they'd come back and read the next installment. If you think about it, it makes sense. I mean, look at the serials that they did as movies in the '30s and the '40s. You know. Yes. They always had the poor woman tied up to the tracks. You know, wait. That's right. Just before the hero comes and saves her. Uh, so silly. But. Um, yeah, I mean, and almost all books until the 70s were serials. I mean, mystery, yeah. science fiction, they all. In fact, Agatha Christie said that she made more money selling her book as a serial to the U.S. than she did when the book was published. I can believe that. Isn't that we interesting? Have, you know, we, they sold, I mean, I'm sure the Americans' market would, would pay her more, but um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and I know it was going on still because my mom told me she read The Stepford Wives on the Beach as a serial in Good Housekeeping, and I think that came out in the 70s. Wow. I remember, this was not quite the same thing, but it's a good story. It's about where, at some point where James Clavell was um, uh, flying someplace, and he's, a, he's the guy who wrote Shogun. And... He was on a, he's on a plane some, uh, somewhere and a long trip across, you know, like a transatlantic flight. And the passengers were reading his book, but there was only one copy. So one of them would read a chapter, rip it out, hand it to somebody else, and then read the next chapter. And they literally passed the book around that way during the flight. Oh, my God. I thought God. that was a really, <laughs> really neat story. There was an episode of MASH like that. Did you ever see it? Oh, the ones where they didn't have the ending of the book? And yes, they had yes. To, uh, yes, I do remember that. <laughs> and they ripped the, he had started his Hawkeye's book, and he's like, everybody's like, I want the next chapter, I want the next. so he just started ripping the chapters out of after he finished them and handing them off. And then he got That's to right. the end, and there was no end. <laughs> then they had to contact the person by radio, and they hated the ending, I think, yeah. if I recall. And they rewrote it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was like over dramatic, but it was funny. <laughs> but and, and in fact, she couldn't remember which book it was. He uh, he had a reminder. He was she was saying it was something else, and 
I think it was That's right. BJ was talking to her, and he, no, 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 this is the one who took place in this hall, and, you know, with this detective and everything. <laughs> and and then they gave this, oh, oh, really? Oh, and he hung up, and they told him, and then all of a sudden, I think they're at the table at eating, and they start acting it out, of course, over acting. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that episode. It's one of my favorites. It's because if you're a reader, you really you really understand, and especially if you like mysteries, you really understand. I want to know what, how it ends. It's a mystery. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'm actually modern book Magpie Murders. That's what it's all about. No last chapter. <laughs> oh, is it? That's interesting. Yeah, that's what the whole book is about. That there's a, the the guy's killed, and the last chapter oh, of the I... book is missing. Oh, that's right, and they have to, and and they basically uh, determine that. Um, well, I don't, maybe I should say since no one's read it, but uh, the uh, the clue is in all uh, the titles of the other books, if I recall. You shouldn't say that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> um, Oops. <laughs> and don't worry, I'll give a spoiler warning at the beginning. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's really that was so clever. Anthony Horowitz is a great writer. I don't know if I could write a book like that. I mean, could you write two separate books that are interlocked that are both full books? I mean, that's t- yeah, that's tough. Uh, I've got some I've got some things that I've written that I'm pretty p- proud of, uh, and they're very complicated. Um, and after a while, it, things just get really complicated. You know, you're trying to balance balance the um, the needs of each book against the you know the the um, the books that um, are related to it, and it's tough. It is, but and and but for t- the the two books in one book, that must be even more complicated, don't you think? Yeah, I would think so. It's got to be. Yeah, I mean, it, he said that it took him five years to do it. And then when he was writing the um, the miniseries for it, he actually restructured the whole thing uh, to make it work better for I, the miniseries. For the film? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the for TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and actually, I really liked the miniseries a lot. I mean, it was I thought <laughs> it was very clever. Um, but I mean, you know, he's a really famous screenwriter so it's not surprising he would be able to do it but he even for he said he didn't say even for me but he said it was very difficult for me because it was just he goes once I got going and I I figured out what to do it was okay but to do it was hard to figure it out right the plotting must have been quite a challenge yeah the structure of a book is always hard, but when you have to restructure something that's already done, it's hell. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's just hell. Um, are you a um, okay? Are you a plotter, or are you more of a character development kind of writer, or do you combine it? Yeah. So I'm not a I'm not a I don't start out with a well, let's see. You said plot, and I heard outline. So I don't start out with an outline. I know people do, uh, but for me, that if I outline a book, basically I've just killed the book in my mind, um, because um, what I do is I generally 
start with an ending and then it sits there in my brain until I get a beginning and then I plot my way between the two points but uh, not very not very uh, rigorously because uh, I know I, I'm always going to come up with interesting stuff that's going to take the plot someplace else um, while I'm writing it so I guess sort of go back to your question, I'm more of a plotter than character development, and the process of getting from beginning to end um, is, um, can, can often surprise me just as much as it surprises anybody else. Okay. Well, actually, I wasn't mentioning, I, I don't use that line, so I don't automatically assume everybody does that line. I know that a lot of, I write, I'm, I'm more of a copious note writer. I will write a bunch okay. of notes. But I don't actually write anything in order. I just write the notes so I don't forget, uh, like, this person's doing this, and this per I, I would like this person to do that, and stuff like that. But I don't act, I, like you said, I, I'm not, I don't write an outline because it doesn't work for me. Yeah. It, you and I know some people, some people do, but, you know, and that's, an, you mean, there's no one way to write a book. Exactly. So, you know, just do it, just do what works for you. Exactly. And it's really interesting because I think that writing, um, and it, the thing is, is that when you're writing a story of any type, short story, book, uh, even poetry, it comes to you. It's like a, it's sort of like a, a gift that comes into your brain. It's not... It's uh, where do you get your story ideas? How many times have you been asked that? So it's like I don't know. It just comes to me, and every writer yeah. I talk to has said that. D do you feel that way? That it just kind of comes to you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, there's the well, there's the initial inspiration, and that is a real mystery. Um, if you were to tell me um, what the inspiration was for the the story I had in the contest, I can't actually tell you. I just once I got the idea, I elaborated it, and I can remember the elaboration process, and you know, making it all work and, and really enjoying that process. But I don't remember what got me thinking about the story in the first place. Um, and then, of course, when you're writing, one of the best things about writing is losing yourself in that creative flow. You know, where hours pass and you don't even you don't even remember. And by the time you're done, if you're lucky, you end up with something which surprises you. Mm -hmm. You know, and you can you can read something and you can say, you know, you, you, later on you might you might say, oh, that's terrible. But at the moment, it's like, wow, that was that was really good. I really, you know, I really enjoyed that. Have that's you really one of the. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the payoffs of writing. I, anyway, go I, ahead. no, I was just going to ask, have you ever read one of your own stories from a while ago, and then you you know it's yours, you see, recognize it, you know, you, it's in your handwriting, but but I'm just saying, have you ever read it and you said. I can't believe I wrote it. I, there's some parts of this I don't even remember writing. <laughs> yes, I've, I've actually I've actually found stories of my my own, like you said, that I know I wrote, and I don't remember writing them. It was um, stories like like a a story from you know 20 or 30 years ago. Um, I've been writing. You know, I haven't been trying to sell my stuff, but I've been writing ever since I was a teenager. So yeah, I find stuff that. I, I, I will see it. I said, okay, I know that's my story. I don't remember writing it, but once I think about it for a while, I think, okay, yes, I, I kind of remember the story, but I, but I don't remember the process, and um, uh, it really does come across um, as someone else's um, someone's else's effort. 
It's very strange. It is. It's so weird. Um, I was uh, going through a bunch of my... I, we moved a couple of years ago, and I'm still unpacking boxes. It's been a couple of years, and I'm still unpacking uh-huh. boxes. And I was going through, and I found an old story that I wrote about 20 years ago. And I pulled it out, and I, and I go, I don't re- I mean, it's my handwriting. Nobody else writes like me. Just, I know it's mine. But I'm just reading it, and I go, I don't remember this. I really don't yeah. remember. I mean, it was a good <laughs> story and everything, but it was just, I don't remember writing this. It's so weird. Uh, the other thing I was when you were talking, remind what you said reminded me of some. I read this um, nonfiction book by Elizabeth Gilbert. She wrote *E Pray Love*, and it was okay. it was about um, creativity. It's called *The Great Magic*. I think *The Great Magic*. I think is the name of it. About the magic of creativity, and okay. one of the things she said was, "Story ideas are alive." And it will come to you, but you only have it for a certain amount of time. And if you get distracted, it will go and find someone else to inspire. I thought, and she gave this really great, um, this really great uh, explanation. She was, uh, she was, she got this great story idea from her husband, and she was working on it. And then she got distracted by other stuff like magazine assignments and stuff and travel assignments that she had to do and she lost it she lost it 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 just the book was dead she couldn't uh bring it back and then i think she said about a year later she went to a writer's conference and she met this really good writer and uh they they hit it off and uh she asked her what are you working on now and she told her about the book idea that she was working on. It was her idea. It was the one oh. that got away from her. Uh-huh. And she said, and 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 Elizabeth stopped her and she goes, "And you're going to do this?" And she goes, "Oh my God!" And she goes, and it 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 came to me. I couldn't do it. It left me. I guess it found you. Isn't that the coolest story you ever heard? That is, that is wild. She actually that met really the is. person that the idea went to next. <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never thought I'd hear something like that. I thought, oh my god, it's so wild. But, but I do. I believe that the inspiration for stories it comes. Maybe it's another dimension, or some. Uh, are you a Are you a Terry Pratchett fan? Yeah. So, um, one of his ideas that if all, I mean. I, you know, even though I mentioned the other three books, which which I would have to think are my individual favorite books, if I had to pick one author who is my favorite, it would have to be Terry Pratchett. Mm-hmm. I think just the the sheer creative, you know, cumulative genius of of close to forty Discworld books, you know, it just is amazing. But in his early books, I don't know if you remember, he talks about inspiration particles, where you know they flip through the universe and they and um, they strike people and you know, and give them an idea for, you know, a story or a play or an invention. And uh, one of the, this I think was in Weird Sisters, which is one of the first of the Discworld books. I think it's the third one. And uh, one of the characters is always getting hit by inspiration particles. And and he, so much that he can't even, uh, he can hardly think because he's, he's continually being inspired 
uh, getting all these ideas for uh, uh, for stories and plays. It's a nice idea. It is a nice idea. I never read that one, but it sounds really fascinating. Um, that it, it's but it's like that. It's 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 just like when you're tr you're working on a book or a story or a play or whatever, and the characters are talking to you, and they won't listen to what you want, and you have to listen to what they want you to do because it's yes. them that's doing it. When you explain that to someone who's a non-writer, I think they think you're nuts. <laughs> they don't get it. They uh -uh. don't get it. But I've never talked to a writer who hasn't had that, that, that the uh, characters don't talk to them. They, they yeah. aren't knocking on their door. Every writer does that. <laughs> Don't you feel that, or um, that's something that's yes, happened. no, I, I do. In fact, no, that's very true, and and, and that's the, that's the, that's why I don't believe in uh, outlining, uh, because um, if if I'm if I'm doing it right, at some point, um, the characters and the situation are going to take off, and uh, I won't know what that is until I write it. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the thing is that I don't try to I don't try to nail down my stories. Uh, ahead of time, because I know that um, if I'm doing it right, they'll evolve on their own. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But isn't it? It's 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 just like the inspiration thing. It's just there's, I that's why writing or any creativity is just magical. There's there is something magical about it. It just yeah, it's so beautiful. I, I, that's why I love the arts, all of them, every one of them. <laughs> I can't do every one of them, but I no. love them. I I I just it because that it's all so magical, and I wish people would see that, you know, and be and mm -hmm. and and let themselves be taken away by that because it it's that's the little spark of happiness, you know. <laughs> Go for that. <laughs> that's right. Um. Okay. Now we're at the point that I'm going to ask you about your short story and your um, your experience at the um, the workshop and the ben um, <laughs> banquet. Right. I was going to say what, benefit. What do you talk about first? Well, why don't you start about, um, you know, why you submitted the story and go on from there. All right. Well, um, I honestly didn't know much about the contest when I um, submitted my story. Um, I retired a couple of years ago, and at that point in time, um, it's funny, you end up working your life away to the point where you can retire, and then when you retire, it's like, if you're not doing something important to you, you at least for me, it's, you know, why, why am I still here if I'm not doing something important? So at that point in time, I really started, um, yeah, I'd been writing up until that time pretty steadily, but at that point, I really became very um, focused on my writing. Uh, I was writing some, you know, I, I've written, I haven't tried to sell them yet, I've written about six or eight novels. Um, I tried uh, starting to sell short stories to the magazines. Uh, I had, I had, my name of my story is White Elephant. I, uh, I came across a listing for the um, Writers of the Future contest. Um, it looked interesting, uh, you, you know, a contest, I didn't really expect much to come of it, so I just, but again, you know, these days you don't—it's easy enough to send off a story. So I just sent it off, and 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 that's how basically uh, I got involved in the whole um, the whole writers of the future thing. 
That is cool. And um, how did you find out that you were one of the winners? I mean, one of the finalists. Right. So the way the uh, Writers of the Future works, it, it's a little counterintuitive where if you submit a story, let's say for the second quarter of a year, it actually counts towards the third quarter contest. So when I submitted my story, I thought I was submitting for the second quarter. Um, and then a few weeks later, I got a news, since I had submitted to the contest, I got a newsletter from the organizers basically listing who had won the, the, second, the Q2 contest and, you know, the various run finalists and the runners-up, et cetera, things like that. And, well, I hadn't won, so, you know, I wasn't too disappointed. I just said, okay, that's life. Um, but I didn't place either, and I didn't get an honorable mention, which was kind of disappointing. But I just said, you know, that's, again, that's just the way it works sometimes. And so um, I went off and started doing, you know, other things. And a few weeks later, I got a call from uh, Joni, who basically is the organizer of the contest, telling me that I had um, uh, was I was a finalist for the for Q3. And at first, I actually thought it was a scam because. You know, because I, I already knew that I hadn't, I hadn't, uh, hadn't won. But so, but she didn't ask me for my credit card or anything weird like that. So <laughs> the more she talked, the more she talked. You know, the more I realized, oh my God, you know, I've actually, I've actually won this, or at least placed. But you don't know, you don't find out you won right away. There's, there's like eight semifinalists that they, that they boil down to, um, the winner for that quarter, and then the, the two runners up. So first, she just said. You know, your place, I, I said, fantastic. I think she's been trying to reach me for some time, but like a lot of people, I tend to screen, you know, my phone calls, and she was calling for something called author services, which I didn't recognize. So, but, um, you know, I finally, finally picked up the phone. Uh, she told me this. I believed her. Um, about, a, about a couple of days later, she called up again and said, hey, guess what? You've actually won the key three contest. I said, fantastic. And I think I said, wow. Um, and, and then she started talking about um, what goes on in the contest, which was a real surprise to me because I think I might have been aware that there was a workshop associated with it. But, you know, she starts talking about, oh, yeah, we're going to fly you out to, to California. We're going to put you up in a hotel. You're going to spend a week doing workshopping. And there's going to be a banquet, and it's going to be a black tie thing. And, you know, it's like oh, I just kept saying, wow, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it kept getting bigger and bigger. So that's. Basically, how I got, you know, I, I found out about the contest and uh, and the process of, of winning it. I mean, that's really great. And uh, and did you enjoy the workshops? And who who were your the workshop was fantastic. Who were yeah, your teachers? Yeah, the workshop was Sorry, go ahead. And who were the people who were teaching them? Okay, well, there's a number of very very good authors there. There's well, Tim Powers, who who I really I've always loved. He's just a fantastic writer. Jody Lynn Nye, both he and Tim, Powers, both her and Tim Powers were the um, sort of the presenters. They were the one who, who was there. The let me try it again. Uh, they were the writers who were there the entire week. They brought in people like uh, Nancy Cress, who I think has won like six Nebulas. Robert Sawyer, who has won the Hugo, the Hugo and the Nebula and uh, you know the John W. Campbell Award. Uh, Kevin Anderson who's written like, I think, 150 books, something like ridiculous like that. S.M. Sterling was there, who's written a number of good books. Uh, Dean Wesley Smith, who has written more than 100 books. Um, there was Nina, Nina Cricky Hoffman was also there, um, who also is, uh, is a really good author. And a, 
probably about another, a dozen authors who I can't even remember at this point in time. <laughs> but there's quite, yeah, quite, quite a few people came in. Uh, the workshop was fantastic. Um, the days were very long. We probably spent anywhere from 10 to 14 hours a day just, just uh, you know, um, in the in the in, in the various sessions, listening to people, you know, uh, you know, sort of trying to absorb everything they're telling us. Um, going off and writing after that, uh, doing various exercises. Um, there's something called the 24-hour story, which I can tell you about in a little bit if you want to. It's, it was a wild experience. Um, but if anybody out there uh, is thinking about entering the contest, I would highly recommend it because if you ever do get to the con get to go out there and per participate in this, you will learn so much. You'll learn about craft, uh, which is not a bad thing at all. Uh, you'll what you really what I really soaked up a lot on was the um, the the world that these authors live in. All these all the people who came out and talked to us are just insanely successful people. I mean, they've sold dozens and dozens of books. You know, uh, they they're luminaries in the field. Um, they have years, hey, well, decades of experience with uh, agents, publishing houses, uh, contracts. Pretty much anything you need to know about the writing uh, universe, they can tell you about. So, um, I soaked up I soaked up as much as that as I could. Um, you know, it it's you know. I just can't recommend it enough, I guess. So if you can if you can get out there and participate, take the shot and try it. I think that's great. And you got a big surprise. You I won. did get a big surprise. And and the, none of the writers, um, the, the, the all the writers who who were out there, and probably a number of others who never who never uh, did a workshop, uh, they all basically all just voted, and none of them knew who who won. Uh, until they uh, ripped open that envelope uh, during the banquet. So I, a number of them were, uh, I got a number of people who came up. Tim Powers was, was very nice. Uh, he, he, he had to run at the very end, but he, he hunted me up and said how much he liked my story. Uh, Jody Lynn and I said the same thing. Um, yeah, it was quite an experience. It was, it was. That's so cool. And um, so what did you think about getting all gussied up in a black tie and all that? <laughs> what did you think of the actual banquet? Oh, that was that was something because uh, I've never worn a tux in my life. Um, I don't even own a suit, really. Um, I, I, the last suit I bought was, not to exaggerate, was about 30 years ago, maybe 40 years ago. And it sat in my closet until one day I pulled it out and I realized the moss had eaten it all. Um, so the idea of, of having to dress up in a tux was, was um, a little bit mind-bending for me. Uh, you know, I normally just walk around. I'm just, you know, I'm a jeans kind of person. Uh, so that was something. Um, the idea of getting, but the fact that this thing was going to be streamed um, scared me. I'm not a, I'm not a very forward. I'm not a very outgoing kind of person. So um, that, that was a little bit of a uh, uh, intimidating thing to look at, to think about. But the uh, the presentation was very nice. It was uh, got to talk to a lot of people. Um, I don't. I think I probably have never shaken more hands in my life than I did that night. Once I once I won, everybody was very uh, uh, very con uh, happy, very supportive. You know, of me and my fellow writers too, because we all thought we all thought the other person was going to win. <laughs> uh, so it was. Um, I was very surprised when they 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 read my name. That's really cool. Um. And what's the name of your short story? 
The name of my short, short story is White Elephant. And uh, did you meet your uh, the person who illustrated your story? Yes, uh, she's a she's a, a very charming young woman by the name of Kristen Hathaway, and um, uh, it's a it, I it's a I don't know how I don't know how much I should say. Um, it's it's a very uh, uh, appropriate image for the story. It's very evocative. Um, if you if you pick up the book, you'll actually see they what they did this year. It's really nice. Is that um, all of the uh, all of the uh, illustrations for all twelve stories are at the beginning of the book as full color plates, so you could really appreciate the artwork. And uh, and the, the the illustration she did for my story was was just excellent. And did you did you see it right away when you went in for the reveal? Yeah, uh, what they well actually you know if you sort of have to fight your way through the crowd because. What they do is, they um, it's a big it's a big room with a, a horseshoe uh, arrangement of tables, and they have all the um, illustrations spread out along that horseshoe. And so basically, everybody's wandering around trying to find their illustration. But yes, when I saw mine, I recognized it right away. <laughs> that, that's I always think it's kind of funny. <laughs> they do that. That you gotta go. You gotta find your stuff. You gotta That's find right. your own illustration. Uh, <laughs> and then the poor illustrator is going, "Oh my god! Oh my god! I hope they find it." <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's a happy coupling. But it just, uh, I, 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 I've never been there, so I don't know. But to me, it's sort of funny sounding. You know, that everybody's all upset. The the writer's trying to find it. The illustrator's worried that they won't. Uh-huh. <laughs> But hey, this makes it exciting, right? That's right. Um, so you had a good time, basically. That's I did, that's and, what, and I do really want to do a shout out to the people who run this. This, this is the uh, Galaxy Press people and the author services. They are some of the sweetest, most generous people I've met. I mean, they just went above and beyond to make sure we had a good time. Uh, you know, and um, and they do it simply because they believe in promoting. Um, uh, a better future. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, really, uh, they were just wonderful people. I think that's great. Um, they are very nice people. They're very, very nice, very friendly, um, uh, and generous. Very good people. Now, my last thing that I want to talk about is: what are your plans now that it's all over? Are you going to uh, send out stories, or do you have book idea, or what are you doing next? Right. So at this point in time, the question that's that's sort of been preoccupying my mind for the last couple of weeks here is, uh, do I try to, uh, I do have a number of books, um, do I try to sell them to a regular publishing house or do I try to sell them as, an, you know, do I publish them independently? Um, that is going to be, that's the um, the question that's really going to sort of be driving my, my actions here for the next, you know, year or so. Uh, the answer probably, I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I'm, I'm, I go back and forth all the time. They both have their pluses and minuses. So, but regardless of which way I go, um, the publishing industry has really changed over the, you know, the last, you know, a couple of decades, you know, with the internet, surprise, surprise. And you need a, you need a social presence regardless of which, which path you take. Mm-hmm. So yeah. at the moment, I'm a person that I don't have much of a, in fact, I don't have hardly anything of a social presence. At this point in time, I'm, I, you know, I'm not on, I'm not on Facebook. 
I'm not on Twitter or uh, Instagram or any of the other ones. I don't even have a website. I don't even have business cards. So while I was while I was there and I was signing autographs, you know, uh, after the after the uh, award ceremony, I couldn't even give people a, a, a business card to take with them. And a number of them asked me. So what I did, what I plan to do is I plan to ramp up that stuff. I I I, want, I need to put a website together. I've got some ideas. Um, I'm going to do, I'm going to get on and just start doing the whole Facebook thing. That'll be quite an education for me. Um, one of my long-term plans is actually I'm hoping to start a semi-pro online publication for new and emerging authors. Oh, that's nice. Because what? Well, and again, I, you know, I don't I, I don't quite understand how much it will cost. So I don't you know the financing is a little bit up in the air. But hopefully, you know, the idea that I can I can break even. I'm not looking to make any money. It's just that it's very hard for new authors to break in um, uh, to the, the industry. Uh, um, science fiction is better that way than a lot of other industries, but there's only so many publications, you know, and there's only so many books that get published. And over the last you know, decade or so, the number of markets has shrunk. So it's really hard for people to break in. And I want to create something where um, that will actually sort of be aimed at those new and emerging authors rather than just another online publication. So hopefully that will come together. Um, uh, I, won't, I won't be able to do any of this without the help of my wife. Let me just say that right up front um, because she really is, she's my, she's, my, uh, she's my editor, she's my copy editor, she's my proofreader, she's my business manager. Um, I wouldn't be able to do any of this without her. So. Um, Whatever we're going to end up doing, we're going to end up doing it together, and uh, and hopefully we'll have fun doing it. That's beautiful. That's cool. Well, we've come to the end of the interview. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to chat with me. You betcha. You have a care. Thank you. And thank you for okay. chatting with Sherry. Okay. <laughs> Just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.